1: championship weekend of course we will have our predictions we got plenty of props we're going to deal with as the 49ers take on the lions for a trip to the super bowl and the chiefs and the ravens do battle in the afc for the same and no better person to help us preview these games and talk a little nfl as you know the hot stove season i guess for lack of a better term is very much underway eric at home of nfl media nfl.com eric
0: thanks for coming on Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it feels like we got a uh, pretty good Super Bowl, no matter what combo we we end up with, I think. It, it does, uh, even though,
1: really, of the possible matchups, I believe, if memory serves, only one would be a unique matchup. In other words, the teams hadn't played this year, and that would be Chiefs and 49ers. And right. with the other matchups, who knows what we're going to get?
0: And Chiefs 49ers would be a Super Bowl reunion of sorts, even if the teams are a little different. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I think people are a little worried if it's Lions-Ravens, will we get another 38-6 game like we did in, uh, you know, week five or six or whatever that was. But, yeah, I mean, it's uh, four four very interesting teams, uh, two one seeds, two three seeds. And, yeah, I'd be fine with any combination we get, I think.
2: Eric, kind of a big picture question for you before we dive into the games. It, yeah. uh, what I find super interesting specifically about like the Ravens and the 49ers is that they have built in in ways on the defensive side of the ball that kind of goes against the grain for where football has been moving in, in recent years, especially with what they have in the middle of that linebacking core. What, what what have you made made of that? And then overall, just how these four teams have gotten to this point in terms of building their franchises? I heard Ravens. Who
0: was the other team you said was built that way? Uh,
2: 49ers with some of those linebackers. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, You're right. I mean, I think if you can find linebackers who can impact the game in coverage and or pass rushing, you know, some kind of, you know, what we used to call the third down roll, of course, teams throw the ball on first down as much as they ever have. But yeah, I mean, if you can find those, those three down uh, linebackers who have that kind of ability, you know, like we saw the, the difference that Drake Greenlaw made last week and Fred Warner obviously playing at a high level. You know, I think a lot of people shook their heads uh, when, when not only when the Ravens traded for Roquan Smith and gave up what they did, but also signed him to the extension they did. And, you know, having already used the first-round pick on Patrick Queen, I mean, and this is unusual behavior in this sort of era of football obviously it's worked pretty darn well right and and give credit to guys like Steve Wilkes and Mike McDonald for coming on as newish coordinators who have done a really nice job in those in those roles and brought those units together and so um, yeah I mean all, all four teams have uh, have really interesting makeups so obviously the Ravens when you have a a Lamar Jackson led team. It's, it's going to look different than anything, you know, anywhere else. Um, And then Brock Purdy, I guess on the other end of the spectrum, somebody who let's be honest, they didn't plan on him being their starter entering last season. And um, you know, their plans obviously changed. And and part of the NFL is recognizing uh, that change and understanding this is the guy we have to, 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 to rally around. And this is our best chance to win. So yeah, it it really is interesting how all four teams got here and and you know what the Lions have done over the last year and a half is is historically good for their franchise and um I think they deserve a lot of credit for 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 turning that ship completely around. Eric Edholm joining us from
1: NFL.com. We're live today at Hope Lodge. Again, if you'd like to make a donation to Hope Lodge, it's cancer.org/slash pink out while we're talking about linebackers or at least we got on the subject of linebackers the middle of the field let's start with the nfc game because jared goff has had a lot of success throwing the football over the middle of the field and that has been amplified in the playoffs can he and does he need to have that same success against the 49er
2: defense
0: yeah, it's obviously going to be tough. I mean, I don't know that they're quite as strong up the middle as since Hufanga has been out, but um, yeah, they've really, you know, done a pretty good job defending that part of the field. But as you mentioned, I mean, the Lions love attacking down the middle. That's been a staple of Ben Johnson's offense and a big, you know, comfort level for for Goff throwing those slants and those posts and things like that. And, you know, I mean, it starts with Amon Ross St. Brown on the slot. Now he does a lot of his work there. Uh, he's going to be a tough cover for the 49ers. I don't think they'll put Charvarius Ward on him if he's inside. I think he'll only uh, match up with him on the outside. Uh, Sam Laporta, you know, incredible rookie season. We don't see tight ends do this uh, on the regular, if ever, for that matter. So, And I don't know that they would be in this game without him. Uh, you know, he's playing hurt right now. They're thin at tight end, so... Uh, we'll, we'll see how much of an effect that is, but they've also thrown to the backs too. I mean, you know, Montgomery is is a check down guy. Gibbs is obviously a little bit more of a a specialist and can do more in the receiving game. But yeah, that part of the field is is really a good job. And Josh Reynolds too. I mean, he's really kind of stepped up and been a surprising uh, contributor. Uh, who Goff's known obviously since their Rams days and there's a comfort level there. And, you know, the, I think the 49ers... You know, you either have to get that really quick off the snap pass rush or you have to close down those passing lanes, which means hands up. And um, it's hard to do both. You know, I mean, you've got to almost sort of pick your your plan of attack here. Do we rush hell and go after him right away? Or do we kind of hang back and read his eyes and try to knock those balls down as they're coming through those those tighter windows?
2: Eric, other side of the ball, you you wrote about Debo Samuel yesterday, uh, him being able to practice with the 49ers in in limited capacity. I'm wondering when you look back on that game Saturday between them and the Packers, the offense and the struggles, how much of it was the weather, which I know there was a lot of discourse surrounding that and Brock Purdy. How much of it was about Debo? Because I'm wondering if he might be a bit of a decoy in this game versus the Lions on Sunday.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting possibility, right? If if we're hearing all this sort of he's training in the right direction, he's going to practice on a limited basis, everybody assuming he's going to play, you may not get what you normally would get out of Debo Samuel. I think what what hurt him last week is the two things you mentioned, right? I mean, the, the, the weather conditions, now both teams had to play with it, but – you could tell Brock Purdy was struggling with his ball handling more than Jordan Love was. And, um, you know, he does have smaller hands. And uh, the the one play that still sticks in my head from that game is uh, the shot from behind of him dropping back and then wiping his towel as he's dry. I don't know that I've ever seen that before. So clearly it was affecting him, but losing Debo, I think he played nine or 10 snaps in the game, you know, early second quarter he's gone you know they came in with a game plan. I'm guessing he was part, uh, uh you know, a big part of what they were going to do. He already had two big catches in that game to that point. So I think it helps that they knew he may not be available. You can game plan and have your scripted plays, you know, uh, as a result of him not being in the lineup. But you can also use him, as you said, as a decoy and force the Lions to honor him as a threat. So you know it's a Lions secondary that. Has some playmakers, you know, Branch, Malafonwu, Cam Sutton on some days. He wasn't great against Mike Evans, but yeah, I mean, they, they, let's be honest. They've had their share of struggles too. So, and it's a pass rush that, you know, is inconsistent at times. We know Hutch can get home other guys, less uh, capable than maybe even they were at the end of last season. So, Yeah, I mean, it really is going to be dependent on um, shutting down those other weapons and, and playing their their assignments well, because, you know, Kyle Shanahan will formation you to death and give you all kinds of looks and really get those those gears grinding, even if Samuel is out there and not really a threat. Eric Edholm
1: of NFL.com, how much do you think Shanahan has to balance taking pressure off of his quarterback versus going too far? Because when we've seen Purdy play well, he plays with a confidence, he plays with a swag. And if yeah. you pull it back too much, then it almost feels like it's a Jimmy G situation where a guy's almost being handcuffed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean you know, you look at the raw numbers, obviously they, they they're one of the better yak teams or yards after the catch, but still his, his average targets are very deep down the field. Typically too. He's not known as a deep ball thrower, but they love attacking the intermediate part of the field. And then also taking those occasional deep shots too. And I'll be fascinated to see the first, you know, 10 or 15 plays of the game to see uh, how much McCaffrey is featured. What kind of personnel packages they do they use and how much of it is getting Purdy into a rhythm early. You know, we always talk about that. Oh, you want to get your, your quarterback in a rhythm. Well, you know, Jared Goff started out two for six with a, a dropped interception against the the Bucks. He finished out great. But um, I think for Purdy, it is important, especially because he struggled for 90% of that game. You know, even the, I mean, yeah, the touchdown pass to, to Kittle was great and there were some good moments, but, until that final drive, I wasn't confident they were going to get it done. So I think Shanahan does have to kind of uh, balance that, that risk reward thing where, look, I mean, we got to get IU more involved than he was last game until later on in the game, you know, especially if, if Debo is is barely out there or, or only a partial factor um, we still have to get our Kittle touches. So if he's super conservative early, that'll that'll tell me a lot, I think.
2: Uh, Eric, looking at the other game, it's the first time in NFL history where two MVPs under 30 have ever played in a playoff game. And the wild part, obviously, is that Lamar's probably going to lock up his second within yeah. the next two weeks. Obviously, Mahomes has two as well. When you look at, at the defenses that those players, those quarterbacks will be going up against, which of the two defenses, Ravens versus Mahomes or Chiefs versus Jackson, do you think is best prepared to handle that quarterback?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's an argument that the Chiefs and Ravens defenses are, you know, at least in the same zip code, right? I mean, they're – they're, I would say just pound for pound, maybe the Ravens are a little stronger, but, you know, on their best day, the Chiefs can be exceptional on that side of the ball. I, w- I think what the difference might be is that, you know, Kansas City came in, their pri- prior two games came against a Miami defense that had suffered a litany of injuries leading up to that game uh, and maybe even during, if I remember – And then also the same with the bills too. I mean, both teams had lost on the order of like four or five defensive starters throughout the course of the season. So, you know, I mean, I know I'm talking about the other side of the ball, but still, you know, just the, the step up in competition against what the Ravens have. They're well rested. You know, the starters were, were pulled mid fourth quarter last week. They had the week off before that. They've been mostly great all season long. Maybe that's some sort of difference. I mean, I know that, you know, Mahomes has had career success against the Ravens. I don't think he's thrown for less than 340 yards against them, but that wasn't against McDonald's defense. That was against different Ravens defenders. They really pulled this group together this year. So maybe there's a little bit more of an edge on the Baltimore defensive side, even if, you know, we know how how dangerous Pat and, and, and Kelsey and all those guys can be.
1: Eric Edholm of NFL.com. There were two key things last week that kept Buffalo from winning. One was lack of pressure against Mahomes. The other was being able to finish drives in the red zone with touchdowns. Which one of those two feels more important for Baltimore in this game?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think Baltimore obviously is – you know you saw last week they got off to a slow start and it was a it was a close game now granted the texans needed a punt return to keep it a close game but still i mean you know at, at 10-10 things were looking a little tight and then all of a sudden they kind of break out in the second half so um you know obviously for them i mean as as great as as justin tucker is for their, for kicking Uh, you know they want to be able to play from ahead they want to be able to run the ball 40 times if they can i mean that's the the dream scenario is to get a lead sit on it let their defense do the work and then you know the whole playbook is in play so yeah that that starts with with finishing off drives with touchdowns and you know in some some early game moments they, they they tend to have that they're kind of feeling things out a little bit, seeing what the defense is giving them and seeing what kind of looks Lamar is getting on, uh, on those third and medium situations and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that that's, that's, you know, obviously the chiefs have a great kicker too in Butker and they often, you know, will rely on the fact that they have somebody in their back pocket who can make a big kick in bad weather, outdoors, all that stuff. So it's a great kicking battle. I'm sure that'll come into play, but, but both of these offensive, you know, team or coordinators, or in, in the case of Reed, you know, certainly the 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 guru, of the offense would tell you, you know, finishing in the red zone is a big deal, and you know, obviously turnover ratio against Lamar and and that
2: defense is going to be big too. What kind type, type of impact, Eric, are you expecting from Mark Andrews?
0: Yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, right? We sort of talked about Laporta being able to to gut through it and get out there and play. I mean, Andrews's been out since what, week eleven, I want to say. Wow. And at that point, it was the feeling was that more likely than not a season ender may only be available if they get to the Super Bowl. So they're getting him back a little earlier than uh, you know, even if the, the timetable changed over the last few weeks. It's hard to know. And Isaiah Lakely's been Isaiah Likely's been so good in his place, you know, I it, you don't want to take away from what likely's been able to give them as a receiver, uh, just to feed somebody who hasn't played in in you know almost ten weeks now. So I, I don't know. I, it's a tough question without having seen him move around in practice, and uh, you know maybe like Debo, he ends up being somewhat of a decoy, or they use him on third downs or red zone or special kind of packages like that, so as to not overwhelm him. But you know if he's out there and and close to healthy he's he's a top five or six receiving tight end in this league. I wouldn't say so just another threat for, for uh, a Kansas city defense to deal with. That's already, that's lost Mike Edwards. That's lost, you know, Willie Gay's banged up. So, you know, that they're good on that side of the ball, but those ranks are, are thinning a little bit.
1: Eric, it's hard to imagine the coaching carousel spinning and not having a spot on the ride for Bill Belichick at the moment. Do you yeah. think he coaches again in any capacity in the National Football League? Uh,
0: ever again? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But I mean, because Bill could afford to be picky. I don't. know. everyone's saying like, "Oh my gosh, Bill's getting left." You know, uh, the game of musical chairs, and he's got nowhere to sit. I don't. I think Bill let it be known there was only there were only one or two jobs. I think he would have. He would have listened to Jerry about the Dallas opening, which never opened, right? They bring in Mike back. Uh, he obviously had two meetings with with Arthur Blank. Um, when something didn't happen within you know, 24, 48 hours of that second meeting, I assumed it wasn't gonna be a pairing because what else are you waiting for? You got a Hall of Fame coach. Clearly there was some kind of divide over the power structure. And a lot of people assume that Belichick was sort of projecting when he said, you know, prior to him uh, parting ways with with New England, you know, kind of let it be known. I would return and, and and give up some of that that personnel say how much he would have given up and, and how much he would have given up at a, at a job like the Falcons is unknown, but. I don't know that he would have been good reporting to Rich McKay, who we've had a rivalry with for years in the competition committee. I don't know that he would have been good, you know, being on even footing personnel wise with uh, Terry Fontenot. And from Bill's perspective, you get it. Like he's run things a certain way for 20 plus years. So maybe a team that has an entire season to think about a short term arrangement with Belichick. Um, might be willing to go down that road and, and explore the possibilities throughout the course of the season. But as things currently stand, there isn't a job that I think he'll be connected to Washington or, or Seattle, I guess, are the only two remaining, unless I'm forgetting one. But, yeah, I and what he does during his time off, whether it's hideaway in Nantucket, hop on the TV and do analysis. Get on his boat. You get on his yeah right the 17 rings or whatever it's called <laughs> stuff, something like that uh it's anyone's guess bill's bill's a, an enigma you know and and i can't wait to i'm fascinated to see what happens but i i don't think he's gonna have on this cycle and i think there's a chance that that next year he'll be coveted by somebody
1: Eric at home, NFL.com, and there's still much more we could have talked about. We didn't even yeah. mention we didn't even mention a guy by the Harbaugh. name of Harbaugh, and I'm not uh, talking about the guy who's coaching this weekend. <laughs> no, no, I I do have to wonder because Jim is going to be there. Do you think is is there any part of John that's wondering is he stealing my signals? Because
2: they're it. <laughs>
0: they're going to play next year. Wow, I know they're gonna play. That's right at SoFi, right? I am gonna yep. have to see if I can make arrangements to get out there. And there we go. Uh, luckily, NFL Network's office is about uh, two hundred meters away, so I can <laughs> I can make that one work. But yeah, I mean, I Sean Payton, Andy Reid, John Har, our Jim Harbaugh. I mean, you know, and now Antonio Pierce. I mean that that division's fascinating. I am mean, not that it hasn't been, but you know, it raises the the stakes a little bit. It certainly does. Eric, enjoy the weekend. We always appreciate the chat. Thanks. You got it. Enjoy the game. See you guys. That's Eric at
1: home of nfl.com. We're live here at Hope Lodge again. If you'd like to make a donation to Hope Lodge, you can do so by visiting cancer.org/pinkout. That's cancer.org/pinkout. slash The happy hour is coming up right here on 1620 the Zone. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.